Welcome to the Radiant Mission Podcast. My name is Rebecca Toomey, and I am here today with my sister and co-host, Rachel Smith. We are on a mission to encourage and inspire other believers as they navigate through this life and their relationship with Christ. Last week, we had a great conversation talking about Genesis 6 and the Nephilim, and we did something a little bit different. We decided to break up a very long episode into two parts. And we are so curious what you think about being left on a cliffhanger. Feel free to shoot us a note on our new Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the Radiant Mission Podcast. Let us know what you think. Did you like the cliffhanger? Did you like the episode being a little bit shorter? Or do you want to hear us gabbing on for an hour plus? (laughs) We would love to know. Well, we are here for part two today, and in part two, it is all about the rest of the story with the Nephilim, i.e. the Watchers, and we're going to be talking about the correlation to modern day, how the descendants, what happened to the descendants of the Nephilim, i.e. demons, not to give it away, but we're going to talk about demons a bit more, and then we're going to dive into the spiritual war that we are in today, how to discern whether or not you're experiencing spiritual warfare. And we're going to end today's episode with some encouragement for you. So we are really looking forward to continuing to walk this journey. Let's get into it. This is why this is pertinent because it's absolutely pervasive through all of history. And, um, and it didn't stop at the flood for whatever reason. And there's a lot of, of different theories on why, but the reason really that I think that this is so important for, for anyone who believes the Bible as truth to understand is this right here is the core of why God had to flood the earth and that Noah was the only one who was genetically pure. He was the only one perfect in his generation, him and his sons. And so he, they, eight people were preserved. And there are a few eight theories. Whole, eight whole yeah. people. <laughs> exactly. Eight whole people left on the whole planet. Everyone else was corrupt or That's killed. rough. That's and, really rough. Yeah. And so I've heard people say, you know, people who like de- deconstruct from the church or mm-hmm. um, people who are atheists and don't believe the Bible. And they say like, you know, accuse Christians of worshiping a God who like, you know, would just kill millions of people in a flood. Like, why would you worship a God like that? And it's, this is what, why these false interpretations of what has happened here has done such a disservice to God's word is Mm. because it's very clear why God did that. It was the only way to preserve humanity. Not they a single were literally one of us. eating each other. Exactly. Not a single one of us would be here today if he didn't do it. He didn't flood the earth mm-hmm. and he could have killed everyone. He didn't have to save Noah. That was grace. Yeah, it was his grace. True. To he, save could have, he could have wiped everybody and started over. Exactly. Because what happened Completely. is he did preserve Noah and some way, shape or form, the Nephilim were able to come back. Mm -hmm. And now there are theories that there was a second incursion after the flood 
or maybe mm -hmm. multiple incursions of the watchers mm -hmm. coming again. Maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't, because this is also why, um, you know, we read in the new Testament that the, um, that the fallen angels are in chains and darkness. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they are is because what they did right here. And then we re read in Enoch that they were, if they were going in together, they were all going to go down together. And so their, their punishment was to be in chains of darkness. And then there are other theories of how Nephilim and giants continued, um, after the flood. And those are possibly through the DNA of one of the wives, mm -hmm. maybe possibly one of them had corrupt DNA. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, while Noah and his sons were perfect, you know, maybe one of them didn't, mm -hmm. I, I don't know about that because then it's like, why would God have preserved them? But, sure. um, so I don't know about yeah, that how one. she sneak onto the boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's actually kind of, yeah, yeah. There's kind of even like wackier theories I've heard of. So the watchers, they had technology mm. and they, um, gave it to men. It, it's, it's, part of the reasoning that they men gave them their daughters is because they traded it for technology mm. and that technology included weapons and medicine and really like the foundation of our technology today. Interesting. Cause this kind of goes back to, there's a lot of conversations about like the pyramids, how could people have mm -hmm. built the pyramids? It's even more, you know, advanced than what people could do today. Things like that. Exactly. And I don't know if this, does this fold into pharmacia at all? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say so because the watchers are who taught, um, men sorcery and medicine mm -hmm. and, um, what develops from that mm -hmm. pharmacia is, you know, pharmacia is the word for sorcery which is where we get our word for pharmacy, mm -hmm. you know, medicine today. Mm -hmm. That's, um, you know, the Greek word for it. Mm -hmm. So it really all stems from this, this point in time and what humans gained from this trade. And, um, and I, I think that there could be a lot to say of the angels or the fallen angels, the watchers, um, they were far more advanced than we have yet to be. You know, we think that we know so much and we're so great now because we have airplanes and, you know, life-saving medicine and stuff like that, but they, well, we're not so great. We don't have the technology to go to space anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We lost right, that. Not going to go, not gonna go there. Not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, but they had, um, they had, technology far superior than ours, I believe. And, and I am kind of saying my own opinion here that they had technology far superior than ours. They shared some of it with men, um, teaching them some like weapons of war and music that actually says that and, um, and medicine and, um, I hope the Jetsons knew we were going to have iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that they did, um, in this time, um, help men create these megalithic structures that we do not possess the technology to create anymore. Like that's a great point. Pyramids. If someone is 200 feet tall, I mean, them making the pyramids is probably like 
a tiny little crumb for them. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's actually even evidence. This is, I highly, highly recommend people go follow, um, the Instagram page, megalithic marvels. Um, he shares, um, videos and pictures of megalithic sites, ancient, um, pre-diluvian sites all over the world. And it's so fascinating. Um, but there is evidence, like some of these structures, um, are, is your family sorry. trying to get your attention through the window now? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's okay. Uh, they're literally like at the window looking at me. Uh, so some of these structures, um, they, you, they are so formed tightly together with no mortar. You can't even fit a human hair between it. Mm. And they literally look like marshmallows melted together. And these are like 200 ton, like grows granite stone. Mm -hmm. And what we're told through, um, contemporary historians and archeologists is that the technology humans possess at those times, because these are thousands and thousands of year old structures. And the technology that humans possess at the time was just iron chisel. Yeah. It's not possible. They had like a little cart and a donkey. Exactly. (laughs) And it's not possible then for these megalithic structures to exist if that's the technology they had. Mm -hmm. And so some people speculate, which I find this fascinating that these structures, um, had to been created somehow. It looks like it by melting the rock and somehow levitating it on top of each other and forming them together that way. And so people kind of theorize that they, um, that they had some kind of sound technology, Hmm. which using our imaginations for how that could have happened is actually not that difficult because there's sound technology exists today. You mm-hmm. actually can levitate items with sound. We mm-hmm. are doing that today. So really the moral of the story is ancient civilizations were far more advanced than we are today. And the reason why is because these hybrid human fallen angel creatures were helping the Nephilim and the watchers were helping, um, construct these ancient sites. Mm. And one of the main reasons is for their own worship, because Mm. they, it all comes down to idolatry of stealing the hearts of men from worshiping the one true God. So that's kind of, that's kind of at the core of all of it. Um, I will link a bunch of what Rachel was talking about in the show notes again. So she mentioned megalithic marvels. I'll throw that in there along with Um, some of those other folks that she mentioned too, but this brings me back to modern times. So, you know, this is ancient times, thousands of years ago, worshiping these creatures, worshiping, you know, this, um, bastardized human basically. And now here we are today, we started in in the beginning talking about MK Mm-hmm. but it kind of circles back to that because now we're still doing the same thing. We're still idolizing stars. We're idolizing, you know, and whether they're human or not, I mean, you and I have gone down some conversation paths with this idea that how does the Nephilim still live today or does it? And, and in what ways, and, you know, there's been conversations 
in some groups about blood type, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was what? O negative, O negative, anything negative. Yeah. And any negative blood type, um, perhaps being descendant of this and conversations about if you do have that, you know, does that mean that there is a, a closer, what is the word? Like a closer connection to the spiritual realm. Cause it, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about some people, it seems like are able to see, experience, feel the spiritual realm more than others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, is that just that some people aren't open? Is it that some people have a little bit of a little drop of Nephilim DNA still encoded in them? You know, there's a lot of places that we can go with this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think what's pertinent to, to this is, um, answering the question of what is a demon there you go yeah and (laughs) yeah and i think a lot of people think that a demon is a fallen angel i think that's what i thought like because the church doesn't really ever give us a solid answer on that yeah it's kind of like these are these are the enemy's minions but where did they come from because if he's a fallen angel then aren't they fallen angels Yes. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, what scripture it's from, but essentially it explains that fallen angel or um, demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. Hmm. And so essentially, you know, the earth humans, like we are earth dwellers. And when the Nephilim were killed in the flood, you know, possibly millions of them, these hybrids, they were cursed to have to roam the earth with no bodies. And, um, and that thus created the demons mm-hmm. that the fallen angels and you know the enemy still uses to oppress humans and the reason that this is important is because oh i mean there's a lot of reasons it's important but the reason like that this really like makes a lot of sense to me is when someone is possessed by a demon like what is the demons um what does it drive them to do like Mm -hmm. it's not driving them to do good deeds (laughs) (laughs) or do any it's driving them to to fulfill the lusts of the flesh and that is alcohol it's violence it's uh sexual things it just like how it's described this corrupt flesh of men were acting in the days of Noah is that every inclination was for evil and that continues in the demons. And so they have, um, you know, have access to us through sin. Like we talked about in the last episode and, um, and that's how they, you know, can use us and then come into human bodies, like seen all over the new Testament 
is how many people are possessed by demons. Mm -hmm. And it's those people possessed by demons are committing, you know, they're violent and sometimes described like wild beasts and, and, and very, um, powerful. Like there's that one account described of the men who was in chains and he could throw like, uh, several men off of him. Nobody could confine him. That's how much strength he was given from this, um, demonic spirit. Mm-hmm. So, um, that that's, I really opens things up to understanding of, of why these chapters in Genesis are important. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. I know we're going to talk more on the idea of being possessed by a demon versus being oppressed mm-hmm. by a demon because one is the difference between already having Christ inside of us and one is not. Um, but we're going to get into that later. I like this example that you're giving though, the, the picture that you're painting though, this idea, this theory that the Nephilim were obviously died you know, physically body-wise in the flood, but it was stated that their spirits continued to roam the earth. Yeah. And when we think about poor decisions that we make, especially when you're indwell with the Holy spirit and you know that you're not acting as if, uh, as yourself. And I'll give an example of myself. Like And, you know, most people have seen the Snickers commercials where they talk about, you know, you're hangry. Oh, just have a Snickers. You know, that's me for (laughs) sure. Like when I'm hangry, I'm not myself. And I like to think of that correlation. It probably is me being oppressed by a demon in that moment. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when I'm not acting from a loving or gentle way, when I'm short with my husband or, you know, impatient, um, it's sometimes can be fed by those dark spirits. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll give you an example. There have been times where, you know, we're human. So he and I obviously have had things not go right between us. <laughs> like, no, I don't know any relationship that's perfect and mine is no exception. And by the grace of God, we're able to always continue to work through things. But, you know, there have been some times where things have happened between us. And then later I have the, a voice that says to me, like, don't be nice to him. He doesn't deserve it. You know, that's the Lord would never say that. The Holy spirit would never say that maybe me, my subconscious might say that too, who knows, yeah. but I think that that's an example of, you know, the, the one who shall not be named his influence or perhaps his, you know, Nephilim spirit or whatever you want to call it, trying to work at me to try to pull us apart and, you know, destroy what we have, because how, what does it do for our relationship? for me to listen to that voice to say, oh yeah, yeah. Be mean to him because don't, don't be nice to him because he's done these things to you or against you. Mm -hmm. That's just going to make our relationship worse. It's not going to make them any better. Yeah. And I think that that's something that in our society is actually pretty pervasive, like is encouraged 
in some ways. Like, oh, if somebody treats you like crap, just get rid of them. You don't need them in your life. You know, that's so it's like a cross function of what we're taught, perhaps from spirits like that, combined with what we internally, the war that we face against the enemy ourselves, you combine those two together. And now, you know, it's reinforcing the negative that's coming out of, you know, being spoken to your spirit. So, yeah, you know, I, uh, I know I've told you this before, but like a, a word that I've learned that describes exactly what you're talking about is from this, um, this marriage book that, um, I read years ago, it's called love and war. And, um, they use this term about, um, that they call agreements that when you have those thoughts, like whispered into your head of like, you don't deserve this, you know, like kind of exactly what you just said those are called agreements from the enemy. Mm. And the reason they call them that is because we have in our own human consciousness and free will, we have, sorry, I, I just, I laugh because I, I heard your, your little one screaming back there. Yeah. I, it sounds like they're having fun. Yeah. There's no door is thick enough. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we have, um, in our own human free will, we have the choice of whether or not to agree with those lies from mm. the enemy. And when we agree with them, that's when we are joining with the demonic forces. That's when we're joining with these spirits and allowing them to come in and influence us. But when we do not agree with that, when we rebuke it or say, nope, you don't have any authority here and don't give any power over to that that's when we are walking with the Holy spirit and that, that kind of just seeing it like that really changed my perspective on, um, on like marital issues or really any kind of relationship issues, because we're told lies about everybody around us and even ourselves. That's true. Um, like, uh, um, was that song called fear is a liar? Hmm. Um, I don't remember that guy's name. I don't remember anybody's names usually, but (laughs) you, I, you actually do pretty good because you (laughs) named off a bunch of people today. You were just like spitting them out. Yeah. I guess your memory is better than you think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm not going to come into agreement with that thought (laughs) anyways. Um, that, you know, it kind of comes back to what you talked about last time with the head trash thing is it, it's this, it's a similar concept. Yeah. And, um, I am of the opinion as like, kind of just how I've worked all this out in my own mind to make sense of, of everything and how it all applies to us like here and now, cause I think maybe some people aren't that interested in the history of demons and Nephilim and Genesis six. Like I find this all fascinating. I could study it, you know, for a hundred more hours and I'm sure I will, but, um, <laughs> how is it practical for today? And Mm -hmm. like, how does it apply to us? And the way that I have worked it out in my own mind is like we talked about last time, we are in a war, a spiritual war and everything is at stake. Our souls are at stake. Our eternity is at stake. And, um, and this starts from the day we're born. And so if anyone has ever heard the term familial spirits before, or that they're, literally are these spirits, these demons 
within families. And this is why I believe one of the reasons that families have um, um, similar sins like alcoholism or abuse, you know, violence or like sexual abuse, things like that is, you know, yeah, the world can look on and be like, oh, it's just learned behavior and or genetic. Or they say it's genetic, quote, genetic, meaning like you're, it's encoded in your DNA, but they're not, that's, I don't don't know the right way to say it. They're not looking at it from a biblical perspective. They're not looking at it from a war perspective, spiritual war perspective. Yes. So how I make sense of this in the spiritual warfare is that um, we're born into a family that has demons assigned. I don't want to say assigned. I don't know about that, but like just latched on to this family through generations. Mm -hmm. And some of those demons then come grab onto our backs and leave the father's home with us and then continue in our family. And when Mm -hmm. a husband and wife come together, they're having some demons from both families. And I have seen it Mm. before Mm -hmm. in couples arguing, it's like, I'm watching the demons talking to each other, like going back and forth between person to person. I've seen this in myself too. Like Mm -hmm. none of none of us are immune to this. And this is, we'll get, we'll get into next time about, um, like you said, possession versus oppression, but just because we are, um, you know, in Christ and, you know, into what with the Holy spirit, we are not immune to demons. If no, anything, if, if anything on our bed, if anything is worse, if yes. anything, it's kind of like last time when we started talking about, um, spiritual warfare, that both of us had been going through our own troubles going yeah. into the conversation because the enemy doesn't want us talking about this. He doesn't want us exposing this idea. He doesn't want us to get other people questioning him. He just wants you to keep living your life, watching your Netflix, (laughs) Yeah, you know, listen to your Justin Bieber and not questioning anything and just continuing down that path. But God is calling us to question. God is calling us to follow him and to look to his word and what he says about these types of things. And, you know, to really just, um, not like you said, you, you like the term agreement, not come into agreement with the enemy over this stuff. Exactly. And there's, yeah. you know, again, I'll, I'll say there's power in prayer Yeah, that, you know, when we ask him for help and guidance and we seek his help and guidance, he will, you know, and, and that's the thing, like prayer is not a asking you shall receive type of thing. It's you have to pray, but then you also have to use discernment to listen to the Lord's voice and, and what he's saying, you know, in you, and it can become easy to focus. It's easy to see other people's problems because Mm -hmm. you're on the outside. It's like watching reality TV. You can see someone else's problems from the outside. It's clear. Yeah. And sometimes we ignore our own issues, you know, like it's easy for me to ignore the fact that I'm hangry or when I'm snappy in that moment to say, well, well, it's because I'm hungry. And that doesn't mean that that's an excuse or a reason for me to not be uh, pleasant. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to use this verse because it's, uh, something that I personally have, I don't know how to even say it. You know, it's like my, my husband and I go back and forth with this one. It's like, you know, remove the plank out of your own eye. Oh yeah. That's the one I was thinking of too. That That's what he loves to say that to me. And it's become an attack. <laughs> it's become an attack. It's personal. <laughs> well, you know what, you know, what's interesting about that verse is, um, first remove the plank from your own eye before trying to help your brother with the speck in his mm-hmm. is, what he's telling us is not that we shouldn't point out that someone else has a speck in their eye, a sin. Mm -hmm. It's that we need to address our own first before pointing out somebody essentially because otherwise you're a hypocrite. Sure. So it's, it's, you should be, you know, I like the language of like ironing, sharpening iron Mm. of like, chastising each other towards righteousness. Like we should be, um, pointing out, like, I mean, Chris and I, we do this, um, to each other sometimes with like how we treat the kids. Uh, I'll be like, Hey man, you know, maybe like, don't yell at them like that, (laughs) which is a perfect pointing out a speck in a brother's eye situation (laughs) because I, you know, yell at them sometimes. And so it's like, I haven't taken the plank out of my, my own eye to really point anything out in his, um, anyways, again, it's easier to see from the outside. It's different when you're in your own body, you know, you're not, you don't see it the way that another person sees it. And then when you see it in the other person, you're like, oh, well, (laughs) you shouldn't do that. And they're like, well, how's your log? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it is, um, this is a good thing for all of us to really kind of mull on with this conversation is do we allow holes to open up inside of us? Do we allow these strongholds to be, you know, the enemy to grab into those? Do we allow it to continue to build? Do we recognize our logs? Listen, I know, I I know my logs. I gotta, (laughs) I gotta do some yard work, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but that's the, that's the thing is like, I have my daily, um, struggles and things that I'm working through with the Lord too. We all are learning right now. Like you have said, and we're all growing and this is part of it. And when we really deep dive into some of these things like Genesis six and saying, this does matter because if there are spirits that are roaming the earth that are hanging out with the enemy and the whole goal is to tear us down and to break us down and to pull us under we have to fight. We have to fight against it. We don't just, do we just lay down and, you know, become what he wants us to become? Do, do we, does he win us over to his side Yeah. or do we fight and, you know, continue to live for the kingdom? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I have been reflecting on, um, that, 
verse in Genesis four, actually, when um, Cain and Abel, and when Cain kills Abel, and okay, it's Genesis four seven. Sorry, I looked it up real quick. And and so after Cain kills Abel, and um, and God you know, seeks him out because Abel's blood is crying from the earth as the text says. And he said, and God says, I guess this is actually before he kills him, but God says to him, so Cain is jealous of Abel because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's Mm -hmm. and, um, Cain's face fell And God says, why is your face fallen? And he says, it is not, if you do good, you are to be accepted. And if you do not do good towards behind crouching at the door is sin. He is lying and towards you in his desire and you must rule over him. And, uh, and then Cain does not. And after that, he ends up killing his brother, but what I've been reflecting on that verse of that sin is crouching at the door mm. and it's desire. It has, it, it just, God describes it as like a creature, like crouching there, Satan. Crouching yeah, this is so there. creepy. You know, the visual this reminds me of, do you remember our brother Ryan's cat that he used to have? When, oh, was that like Oreo? Your- I think so. Yeah. It Oreo. would slash at your ankles when you walk this by. This cat would hide <laughs> in, a, in the doorway so like <laughs> in a room, the door would be open or cracked and the cat would just hide and hide in the crevice darkness. of the crack in the darkness. And when you would walk by, it would lunge out and just get Yes. It. Yeah. That's actually a great visual. And also that- cats are evil, but that's just, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> we won't that, go there today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not today. <laughs> but that, that idea of imagine that cat crouching as sin. And he's lying in wait and desires to, and we must, God says that you must rule over him. And so I think that that is just something for us to, to all keep in mind of the desire of the enemy is to, um, rule over us through our sin. This is what the demons, um, this is how they gain access to us. And it's why they want us to stay in sin. And we must rule over that sin absolutely, to be freed. Yeah. Yeah. So this, um, I have a couple of things I wanted to share from a woman's guide to spiritual warfare. I know I referred to this book the last time when you get to the very end of this book, <laughs> there's a chapter called, are you under attack? And it's kind of how to identify if you're experiencing spiritual warfare, first Peter four, 12 and 13 says, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing is happening to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering. So it's kind of like, Hey, don't be surprised. You know, this is not something crazy that's happening to you. This is expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they say just because you're a Christian, you're not immune to the attacks from the evil one, but instead now you have a direct line to the way 
to help you to overcome it. And there are three kind of things to look for, to discern whether it's evil forces or whether it's God at work, because sometimes it's not the evil one, sometimes it is God. And so those three ways are, is it a temptation, a test or an attack? And if it's a temptation, you want to resist. If it's a test sent by God to say, Lord, teach me something. And then lastly, if it's an attack from Satan, I want to fight and see his plan defeated. So there, it gives some interesting kind of things, but um, it has a little chart that says an enemy attack looks like this, an accusation, a condemnation of you, depression, hopelessness, and destruction of self-esteem. Those are things that are an enemy attack. And a correction from God, says God's correction, would be con conviction concerning an attitude or deed. For depression, it says call to repentance. For hopelessness, it says assurance of forgiveness. And for destruction of self-esteem, restoration of sense, restoration of a sense of your value as God's child. Um, it also has a lot in here about how the en enemy can gain access to you, you know, from sin, which is what we've been talking about, meaning immoral behavior, disobedience, anger, pride, rebellion, unforgiveness, criticism, selfishness, etc. Ignorance of Satan's devices and characteristics, which we have been talking about today. So just being mm -hmm. not acknowledging that he exists, compromise with the enemy, limited knowledge of God's word and his purposes. So that's why it's so important to dig into this for yourself. Don't just listen to us, especially mm -hmm. me. I don't know anything, <laughs> <laughs> not spending time with the Lord, lack of discipline and vigilance, becoming careless or passive, lack of persistence or focus on discerning between the voices that we hear failure to use spiritual weapons like prayer, taking our eyes off of Jesus and instead focusing on our problems that is actually sidebar here. One of the biggest things that I notice in my own life is I see the enemy throwing problems in my life to mm -hmm. distract me. You know, it's a huge distraction. Like you know, something that I shared with you was being late. I don't like to be late. And so being late, it causes kind of like a little bicker backer with me and Mike. And that's just a distraction. That's just yeah. now there's a problem. And it is, is it really that important in the grand scheme of things? No, but now Satan has created distraction. He's created this whole thing that has now become a thing that doesn't need to be. I found that one really interesting. Yeah. Um, immaturity, blind spots or areas of our lives, not yielded to the Lordship of Jesus fatigue, which could mean physical, emotional, or spiritual preoccupation with the self and physical comfort, inadequate prayer coverage by others and disunity or contention with fellow Christians and in the home. So those are a lot of ways. <laughs> I feel like I've experienced probably all of those, right? So. <laughs> all of them. And yeah. you know, this goes into like, whose voice is this, which I think is very interesting. So this is a book I, I would, I would recommend this for anybody who's getting into spiritual warfare. I'll link I'll link it in the show notes it's yeah. by Quinn Shearer and Ruth Ann Garlock. And it, this book actually was written a while ago and it was, um, they did a new version of it a couple mm -hmm. years ago. 
funny enough, you know, what's actually interesting about, so originally published in 1991 and then again, 2010 revised in 2017, you know, where I got this book at Walmart, like just <laughs> randomly, like not even, I, I wasn't even really at a time in my life where I would say I was in a time of my life where I was maybe coming back to Christ. Like I was in, in that phase, mm-hmm. but I was walking through Walmart and there was literally a book stand in the women's underwear department. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking by and I see this and it was all Christian books. And I just saw this and I thought, that's very interesting. I didn't really know anything about spiritual warfare. And I started reading it back then. So this was years ago. I mean, this was before Mike and I were even married. So this is, I'm talking like five years ago, at least mm-hmm. started reading it. And then the enemy distracted me. And then, um, yeah. you know, I started doing, you probably saw the drinking my big water jug when I started doing 75 hard, which is again, that's a whole other conversation. Um, part of it is you read 10 pages a day. And I was like, felt the Lord calling me to read this book. And I started reading this before we made the decision to do this podcast and it just all has come together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it really is like all in his timing, you know, like I I've had that so often where I am like notorious for owning books that take me years to actually pick up and read. Yeah. I mean, we're moms and busy and distracted is, but, um, it's his timing is interesting though, when he brings things around to us. So yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, was there anything you wanted to close on about this conversation with the Nephilim? Was there anything that we missed? Um, well, I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) But this was really in my mind, kind of like a brief overview. Mm -hmm. And I think we wanted to at least touch on it so that in future conversations, things that we reference can kind of have like a a, a reference point, like a basis for what we're talking about. So like, especially once we get into demonic possession versus Mm -hmm. oppression, like now we've set like a, a little groundwork for where we're coming from of, of, um, you know, what demons are and where they come from. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then also, um, I, I just want to encourage everyone to, um, to really dig into the Bible. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you've grown up in the church, like we have, and been exposed to all this stuff, like, like you said, like, don't take our word for it about anything, but, but dig in and, and, and ask the Holy spirit to, um, to teach what, what he means Mm -hmm. when it was all written and, and, and for his guidance on these things and for discernment. And I know that's, that's, um, what I have done and, and, he, he definitely like lit a fire in me to, to, um, just be passionate about his word and, and how it all just comes together for, um, for our lives and how like some of these things, um, even in, 
in Genesis, like the genealogies, mm. you know, and like the entire book of numbers practically, <laughs> um, you know, like so many times we, I know I'm like, ah, oh, I just like skim right over that or like mm-hmm. skip over it. Like that's, you know, what use is that? But what's so, when you really take the Bible seriously, really dig in, there is even profound meaning in those genealogies Mm. and, um, every single word in the Bible is just, it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there's so much that could be gone into on that, but that's just, I want to encourage people to just not take the stuff in Genesis as old things that don't matter to our faith today. It all matters to our faith today. And it all comes back to the story of this war that we're Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. and all of it, every single word of it is pointing to Yeshua. It's all Mm -hmm. about him. This Mm -hmm. is his story. It's not Mm -hmm. our story. We're not the, the David and the David and Goliath story. We're like the losers. On the side. <laughs> oh man, you know, God is we ha- we'll talk about this. I don't know. Maybe next time or another time, but sheep we're you know, you, cause you oh, said we're yeah. the losers. We're the sheep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sheep I was like a, the dumbest animals. <laughs> I was at a study last week and this woman was defining she was giving all these examples of how dumb sheep are, like all the things that they do that if they fall over, they'll just lay there until they die. Unless someone comes and picks them up or, um, if they get bugs inside their nose, they'll just hit their head on something until they die. (laughs) There's all these things. So it just reminded me of that, but yes, that's, this is what the language in all of the Bible about, God shepherding his people. Uh, I mean, there's so much language used for that. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then the good shepherd is ultimately Yeshua. And so, um, yeah, the, the whole story is about him from Genesis to revelation. It's, it's his story. So, and I'll say if anybody is looking for a place to start, they want to read, but they don't know where to start. Genesis is definitely a great place to start. Yeah. Another fan favorite here of, of Rachel's is revelation, but I also I'm reading Matthew right now. I would highly recommend Matthew. Jesus is a boss. I don't know. I'm reading it with new eyes right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of spiritual warfare in there. There's tons of spiritual warfare. There's a lot of stuff about demons casting out demons. And there's just a lot of him, um, you know, just being Jesus. And it's pretty cool. So yeah, and, those are and- kind of three three places you might wanna might wanna go to. Um, yeah. I will also add a link in the show notes to you mentioned um, our parents' pastor Dan. Yeah, I will link to some of his stuff. He has great studies. On- yeah, you could actually link that. Um- that I'll look it up that spiritual warfare study he did many years ago. Oh yeah. So it good. is a good, it's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets mm-hmm. way deeper than he goes. Um, but it, it definitely, there were a lot of things that opened my eyes from mm-hmm. that. So yeah. Yeah. Pastor Dan keeps it, keeps it real. You know, he's a good guy. 
Yeah. And he's there. Um, he's at a church down in Florida. Yeah. So we love it. Well, awesome. This has been a great chat, like a great, just overall, like we said, next episode, we're going to talk about possession and oppression and kind of get into things a little bit more, but we just want to thank you for being on this journey with us. And we hope this conversation sparked some thoughts for you was encouraging, gave you some ideas. If you would like to follow along outside the podcast, again, you can check us out on Instagram, the radiant mission. And also I think it's time for us to create something on Facebook. So maybe take a look on Facebook. If you have thoughts to share with us, you can email anytime the radiant mission at gmail.com only if it's positive. (laughs) I I think I'm always going to say that. And then again, to watch this podcast in video format, YouTube, um, just search radiant mission or search by my name, Rebecca Toomey is on there. And I'd like to close this out with the first part of Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love that. Yeah. Wishing everybody a radiant week and we'll see you on the next one. Bye guys. Bye.